118 verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today has been a dynamic day, huh? We've had some super singing, some powerful praying, a fantastic fellowship, a lovely lunch, and you're back this afternoon. Pete had a hot dog for lunch. That's good. That's good. Uh, You're back this afternoon. For that, we are grateful. I want you to open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5. Everybody take a Bible and go with me, please, to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And this afternoon, we go to Matthew chapter 5. It's a part of the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. In my judgment, it was the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It was preached by Jesus as He sat down among that group of unknown disciples on that unknown mountain. And this afternoon, I call your attention to one of His teachings, one of His sayings in this great sermon. Matthew 5, let's start in verse 38. Are you with me? Matthew 5, and look with me please to verse 38. Jesus said, You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thy way. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you, and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you... What reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, complete, mature, full-grown, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. In this passage, the Master speaks about loving our enemies, loving the other side. Uh, Jesus said, if somebody walks up and hits you on your right cheek, do what, audience? Yeah, turn the other also. The Master said, now if somebody gets mad at you and sues you, sues for your coat, your inner garment, Jesus said, you do this, take off your cloak, which would be our coat, The outer garment. The Master said, You have heard that it hath been said, You ought to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you, and persecute you. And on and on Jesus goes, here in Matthew chapter 5, talking about loving our enemies. It's a nice thing to do, a hard thing to do, but a nice thing to do. Well, in the passage in which Jesus speaks about loving our enemies, he says what he says in verse 41. Matthew 5, cast your eyes upon verse 41. Jesus said, And whosoever shall compel that he go a mile, go with him twain. Now that's a short verse, isn't it? You probably can memorize it in what? 
30 seconds or less. Now I've looked at you and I've looked at you carefully. It takes some of you a minute or two, but most of us can get it down in less than 30 seconds, right? Whosoever is compelled to go my, go with him twain. It is a short verse. But let me tell you something, folks. It's a verse to live by. It's a verse to die by. It's a verse to go to heaven with. It's a verse that can be a huge, incredible blessing to this church and to your life. Jesus said, And whosoever is compelled to go a mile, go with him twain. Now that's a great verse question. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the power of Matthew 5, 41? Do you believe that this one little verse will make you a great church? Not everybody does. Unfortunately, not everybody does. And they look upon this verse as a burden. It's not a blessing, it's a curse. Somebody says, do what? Go two miles with my neighbor? No way. I might go one, but I ain't ever going to. I have sorry neighbors, right neighbors. I'm not going to. And they look upon this verse as a burden. It's not a blessing. It's a curse. A story is told about a Sunday school teacher. She had her class to memorize Matthew 5.41. She said, boys and girls, I want you to go home, memorize this verse, come back next Sunday, and be ready to say the verse for us. Well, they got all excited. They went home. They worked hard. They memorized the verse. They came back the next Sunday. And the teacher said, now, boys and girls, who would like to say the verse for us? And that was a little thought in the back that raised his hand and said, teacher, teacher, I would, I would. She said, okay. You back there in the back, you stand up. Straighten yourself up there, son. She was a good teacher. She said, now you stand up, straighten yourself up, and say the verse for us. Well, the little fellow hopped up, and with great enthusiasm, he said, teacher, the verse says, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him by train. Well, that's not what Jesus said, is it? That's close, but that's not what the Master said. But you know, I think that some of us have that idea in mind. To go the second mile, we've got to go by bus, or car, or train, or plane. Because the second mile is the hard mile. Let me tell you something, folks. The first mile is the hard mile. The second mile is the easy mile. The first mile is the law mile. It's what the law demands. The second mile is the love mile. The first mile is the got-to mile. You know, in life, you've got to do certain things, right? Then you get to do certain things. Well, the first mile is the got-to mile. The second mile is the get-to mile. It's the happy mile. It's the smile mile. It's your mile, and it's my mile. You say, now, wait a minute, Keith. What in the world did Jesus mean when he said, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain? Well, I want to tell you a story. A story that I believe beautifully illustrates Matthew 5, 41. If you've heard the story... Don't stop me, because I want to hear it again. It's a marvelous illustration of this one little verse. The story is this, listen to it. A fellow by the name of Roy Brown was retiring at the age of 38 years old. And he was retiring as a multi-millionaire. Anybody in this audience who's 38, right on the number, anybody 38? 38 years old. I'm looking for you. Can you imagine being 38 years old and retiring as a multi-millionaire? Roy Brown was 38 years old and he, he was retiring to live off the fruits of his labor. Upon his retirement, his friends and his family had decided to give him a big old celebration, a big old banquet in his honor. And at this banquet... Roy had promised to share his financial secret, his secret of financial success. Well, the big night came. 
Television people were there, magazine folks. I mean, everybody wanted to know. And after the delicious meal, Roy got up and he said, you know, I've come to a great point in my life. I'm 38 years old and I'm retiring to live off the fruits of my labor all because of three simple little words. And everybody was sitting on the edge of his seat. Pens were ready to take notes. He said, my financial secret is bad. Three simple little words and here they are. And then some, and then some, and then some. And they looked about as puzzled as some of you do. And then some. And then some, Roy, what do those words and then some have to do with making you a rich man? Roy said, let me explain. He said, when I was a student back in high school, I did what my teachers asked me to do. And then some. He said, it paid off. I graduated top in my high school class. I, I went on to college. And again, in college, whatever my professors asked me to do, I did everything that they asked, everything that they had a right to expect, and then some. Roy said, if they told me to do one book report, not me, I did two. If they told me to do two outside readings, I read, and then some. If they said, now class, study chapter 17, Roy said, ha! I not only studied chapter 17, I studied everything about chapter 17 that I could get my hands on. I did everything that they asked, everything that they had a right to expect, and then some. And again, Roy said it paid off. I graduated top in my college class. Valedictorian, summa cum laude. He said men came from all across America to hire and to interview. I had the pick and choice of my job. Roy said, I decided to go to work with the company that I thought that I could advance in. And when I did, I gave my boss everything that he had a right to expect, everything that he asked for, and then some. Roy said, if my boss said, now Roy, you come in every morning at 8 o'clock. I was there by 7.30. Roy said, if my boss said, now Roy, you take off at 5 every afternoon. I took off at 5.30 or 6. Roy said, if my boss said, now Roy, you get three weeks vacation this year. Not me. I only took two. I did everything that he asked. Everything that he had a right to expect. And then some. And Roy said, it paid off. Man, I began to climb the ladder. And before long, I became the president, the head of that company. But he said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, in order to make money, I knew it at the, at the time, I had to get out and, and establish my very own business. He said, now that's what I did. I left that company, I left that firm, and I established a business of my own. And he said, when those customers marched through those doors, I gave them everything that they had a right to expect, everything that they asked for. And then some. And Roy said they came back and they told their friends and their friends came and before long that business was booming. He said, I set up another business. And again, when that customer marched through that door, I gave him everything that he had a right to respect, everything that he asked for. And then some. And Roy said he came back and he told his friends and they came. And before long that business was booming. He said, I set up another business and another and more and more and more. And ladies and gentlemen, here I am. I'm 38 years old and I'm retiring as a rich 
man to live off the fruits of my labor all because of three simple little words. And then some. Isn't that smart? Isn't that super smart? You say, Keith, how did O'Roy get so smart? More than likely, he read the great sermon on the mount because that's exactly what King Jesus is saying in this sermon. He is saying, look, don't just do what you have to do to get by. Don't just do what somebody asks. Don't just do what somebody expects. You do what he asks. You do what he expects. And then some. And if you do, it'll be a great blessing to your life. I heard about a woman who was having trouble at home. Uh, Maybe we have some women in this audience and you're having trouble at home. The woman that I'm talking about was on the verge of divorce. Maybe you're on the verge of divorce. She went to see a lawyer about it. She walked into the lawyer's office. She said, Sir, I am married to the meanest, the most unkind, the most inconsiderate man of the world. He's a rascal. He's a snake. In fact, she said, uh, If I need to pay attention to him, I'll do it. The lawyer was a Christian. He said, uh, do you have scriptural reasons? She said, scriptural reasons? Not, not, not really. What are you talking about? Well, uh, has your husband ever been cheated on? Like, like with another woman, she asked. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like with another woman. She said, you've got to be kidding. She said, there's not another woman in the world that would have him. I'm stuck with him, but I want out and I want out now. I want a divorce. He said, ma'am, how would you like to have uh, free legal services? She heard the word free. She brightened up and smiled and said, uh, did you say free legal counsel? He said, yeah, free legal counsel. She said, oh, that sounds nice, but I bet there's a string attached. He said, oh, maybe just a little one, but let me tell you the deal. Then you can take it or leave it. He said, ma'am, the deal is this. I want you to go home and live with your husband for six more weeks. Six weeks, she asked. He said, that's right. And during those six weeks, I want you to treat your husband like a king... A king, she asked. He said, that's right. By that I mean I want you to cook his favorite meals, wear his favorite clothes, wear his favorite perfume. When he comes home in the afternoon, have his paper waiting by his favorite seat, along with his coffee, Coke, or tea. Then you can come back and see me and I will give you free legal counsel. She heard all of that and she said, ha, treat him like a king, my eye. Treat him like a king, my foot. I'd rather pay. I'd rather pay and get it over with. He said, ma'am, do you want to hurt this guy? You want to hurt this husband? She said, of course I do. Well, if you left him right now, would you hurt him? She said, of course not. He hates me as much as I hate him. He said, you want to hurt this guy? Yeah. He said, okay, let me tell you what you do. Go home. Treat him like a king for six weeks. Drop him like a hot potato. Wouldn't that hurt him? She smiled and said, yeah, that'd kill him, wouldn't it? And if that'd kill him, I'll do it. So she did it. Six weeks later, she went back to see the lawyer. She walked into the lawyer's office. The lawyer took some papers from a file, slid those papers across the desk. He said, ma'am, yes, ma'am, right there on the dotted line, just sign right there. I'll take it from here. You'll owe me no money. You know what the woman did? She took those papers up, tore them up in a flash, threw them into a waste paper basket. She said to the lawyer, sir, I do not want that divorce. He said, what? She said, I don't want that divorce. 
He said, ma'am, of course you do. Remember, you are married to the meanest, the most unkind, the most inconsiderate man in the world. He is a rascal. He is a snake. She said, you watch what you say about my husband. She said, I don't want a divorce. He said, ma'am, are we talking about the same guy? He said, are we talking about the same guy? Yeah, let me explain. Let me explain, she said. I went home and I did what you told me to do. I went home and man, I began to treat him like a king and for the first two weeks I hated it. She said I hated every minute of it. But she said by the third week something began to happen. I don't know what it was, but I began to enjoy it. I enjoyed getting up and fixing his favorite meals and wearing his favorite perfume and dressing up myself. And, and, and she said by the fourth week, <laughs> the old rascal noticed, he noticed the difference. She said, sir, you won't believe what happened last week. The lawyer said, well, what happened? Last week, he asked me out on a date. A real date. First time we've been out together in 20 years. The only other time we went out together was when our house was on fire. We walked out together. She said, you won't believe what happened this week. Well, what happened? This week, he asked me to go on another honeymoon. A little spot in the mountains overlooking a river. And I'm going. And no, sir, I won't need those divorce papers because I fell in love with him again. Let me tell you something, folks. You can fall in love again. You can fall in love with your husband again. You can fall in love with your wife again. You can fall in love with Jesus again. You can fall in love with the church again if you just go and then some. Now, you know where Matthew 5.41 needs to be applied the most? I've been talking about this verse for the last oh, 20 or so minutes. You know where it needs to be applied? Let's stop and make an application, okay? Matthew 5, 41. Let me tell you where it needs to be applied. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him and then some. Let me tell you where it needs to be applied. In my judgment, Matthew 5, 41 needs to be applied the most in the church of Jesus Christ. Let me just say it like this, folks. We need some second milers in the church. In Bible class this morning, I gave you key number one to be in a great church family. What was it? Well, you've got to be a servant. Get your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on other people. In the lesson this morning, I gave you key number two. What was it? You've got to be all in for Jesus. He was all in for us. You want a great church family? Here's key number three. You've got to go and then some. You know who the second model in the church is? Let me tell you about it. He's the guy that's going to come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night. When you're having one of these all-in-one Sundays, he's the person who's going to stay around for the 1230 service. When you're having vacation Bible school, he's back on Monday night and Tuesday night. When you're having a revival in this church, he's back on Tuesday night and Thursday night. You know why? Oh, he comes on Sunday morning because uh, that's the law. <laughs> That's the law. You've got to be there on Sunday morning, right? I mean, everybody goes to church on Sunday morning. But the second miler, he's back on Sunday night and Wednesday night. When vacation Bible school or the revival is going on, he's back on Monday night and Tuesday night. You know why? Not because he's got to. Not because, man, I've got to go to church. We're having church again tonight. No. You know why he goes? He wants to. 
He loves to. He loves to sing and he loves to pray and he loves to give and he, and he loves God. He's the second miler in the church. You know who he is? Let me tell you about him. He's the brother you walk up to and you say, Hey, George, hey, George, we need somebody to teach in vacation Bible school. Uh, we need somebody to teach on Sunday morning. We need somebody to teach our teenagers. You know, George says, uh, you want me to teach the who? The teenagers? You kidding? No, George, you'd be good at it. And George, the second mile, smiles and he says, Ah, thank you for asking. Sure, I'd be glad to do that. Put me down for that. And by the way, don't we have a visitation program at the Savannah Church of Christ? Well, yeah, we, we've got a visitation program. Oh, George, the second mile says, uh, Could I be a part of that too? Man, I want to go the second mile and teach people on Tuesday night and Thursday night. I want to go the second mile and visit people on Saturday afternoon. He's the second mile in the church. You know who he is? Let me tell you about him, folks. When the plate is passed on Sunday morning, the plate is passed. You know what the second mile does? He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out the 10%. I mean, you've got to give 10%, right? That's the law, right? The law of Moses. But see, the second miler is no longer bound to the law of Moses. He's living under the law of Christ. He's living under grace and truth. So when the plate is passed on Sunday morning, the second miler reaches into his pocket. He reaches into his billfold and he pulls out the 10% and then some. He's the second miler in the church. You know who he is? Let me tell you about him. He's the guy that not only comes to church, but from time to time he comes forward in church. Did you notice the second milers that were here this morning? They not only came to church, they came forward in church. See, the second miler understands what James taught in James 5.16. Confess your sins one to another and pray one for another that she may be healed. So the second miler not only comes to church, from time to time he comes forward in church. He's open, he's honest, he's transparent, and he says, you know, I, I, I just need to be prayed for. Would you pray for me? He's the second miler in the church. You know who he is? Let me tell you about him. He's the guy that not only believes in Jesus, he's willing to do what most people consider very, very foolish. He's willing to be dunked in water. He's willing to be baptized into Jesus. See, he knows what Jesus taught him, Mark 16, 16. Anybody that believes, mile one, and is baptized, mile two, shall be saved. So the second miler not only believes in Jesus, he's willing to put his faith in action. He's willing to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I wonder... On this Sunday afternoon at the Savannah Church, do we have any second milers among us? Do we have anybody in this audience who's willing to go and then some? Uh, Christians, do you need to be prayed for? You know, I think the most of us know 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pete, do you know this verse? Can I, can I start and let, 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 let me start and you finish? You want to say the whole thing? No. <laughs> well, go ahead and say it. No, no, that's the, that's the wrong verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I'll start it and you finish it. 
I'll start and you finish. Okay? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We all know that verse, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 has three words. Pray without ceasing. You know that verse? Pray always, pray constantly, pray always, pray without ceasing. Does anybody know 1 Thessalonians 5.25? Same chapter. We all know verse 17. Anybody know 1 Thessalonians 5.25? It has four words. Four words. You know what they are? Here they are. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 has three words. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 has four words. Here they are. Brethren, pray for us. Pete, who said that? Paul? The Apostle? Did you say the Apostle Paul? Wait a minute. The Apostle Paul said, brethren, pray for us? Paul said that? And I read that and I think, wow, wait a minute. The Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul said, Brethren, pray for... And I read that and I think, Wow! If Paul, the Apostle, needed to be prayed for, what about me? What about you? Is there anybody in this Sunday afternoon audience who needs to be prayed for? See, the second miler is the guy that not only comes to church, but from time to time he comes forward in church. He's open, he's honest, he's transparent. And he says, uh, just like Paul... Pray for me. Do we have any second milers among us today? Sometimes I get out and I jog. You ever jog? You ever run? I do that about four days a week. Sometimes a mile jog, a two-mile jog, a three-mile jog. You know the hardest thing about that jog, that mile jog or that two-mile? I tell you, the hardest thing about running is the very first step. Once I can get my shoes on and my clothes on and take that first step, it's downhill from then on. You know the hardest thing about walking down a church aisle? It's the very first step. But once you take that first step, it's kind of downhill from then on. You need to be prayed for. You need to put your faith into action, be baptized. Jesus said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him. And then some. Be a great church by being a servant. Be a great church by being all in. But be a great church by going that second mile. Go in then some. And that second mile can begin with the very first step. Let's stand. Let's sing. Do you need to come? How do you explain how you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes, Lord, you know all our fears, and words cannot express.